0: those up Jesus has called his disciples uh, to him and um, he went up into a mountain it said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1 called his disciples to him that came to him and uh, he began to teach them and so he taught them What it was to be blessed, what a blessed life was, what a happy life was, what a a godly life was. And so he gave the beatitudes, the attitudes attitudes that we are supposed to have in the life and characteristics, the way we're supposed to live as Christians in those first first 12 verses. So we finished that up last week, and now Jesus, you know, he always used... Um, simple things in life to illustrate important lessons. You ever notice that about the Lord? He was a master at using simil, uh you know, similes and metaphors and things of that nature to to compare something in the parables. You know, in in Matthew thirteen and Mark and Luke and all the all the parables that he gave. Where he used um, he used things that people could understand to explain spiritual truths and to explain about the kingdom of God and here. Uh what we're going to look at tonight uh, is um is some a simile, a metaphor, a metaphor that Jesus used here to um to teach us what we as Christians are to be like. And uh, he talked about us being salty and he talked about us shining. Amen. And so uh, we're going to look at this tonight in the, the 13th verse. And they'll have it on the screen in giant print. All right. So you can see it and read it. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but the 13th verse. Amen. I don't have giant print in my Bible. So I'm going to have to have a little help. Praise God. Um, the 13th verse, Matthew five thirteen, Jesus continues this sermon by saying, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing. Now, I don't want to be good for nothing. Come on, amen. He said, It's then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hid. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven, do not think that I came to destroy the law of the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfil for assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth shall pass away, one jot or one tittle, which is a the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet it's one of those little marks over the hebrew letter that emphasizes the word and gives a different meaning to each word and jesus said one little jot one little tittle one little mark in the word of god not one of them will by by no means will pass from the law till all is fulfilled Amen. Now, Jesus here, as I said, he's giving a metaphor. He begins with talking about the salt of the earth. He's teaching some important lessons here to us about what we are to be like as believers. Those who are living their life according to these beatitudes that he gave here. Um, He tells us now that the influence that we're going to have on those around us and um, on our society. Uh, he said you're the salt of the earth you're the salt of the earth and as the salt of the earth when Jesus uses this metaphor he metaphor he's telling us telling believers that we have, A great worth. We're valuable to the world and we're valuable to society. That we have, if we're living our life according to the 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 word of God and and fulfilling these beatitudes, then we're going to have an influence in the world. We're going to our lives is going to make a difference in the world and to those who are around about us. Now, you know the definition of salt according to, I think we all know what salt is, right? I know I do. I love salt. Amen. I do. I, I have to have it. But um, um, I guess if I have a habit, that's it. I'm a saltaholic. I'll, I'll confess it. But, um, but, but the, according to the dictionary, salt is a crystalline compound that it consists of sodium chloride. And it says that it, and it is used especially to season or to preserve food. One particular encyclopedia had this to say about salt. In its article on salt, it said, While salt is a simple commodity in life, it is, however, very, a very valuable commodity today salt is cheap to buy and generally considered simply a mundane thing but the cheapness of price and the ready availability of salt today has kept has kept us in our time from esteeming its value as we should however salt has been important to man As a seasoning, notice this, as a seasoning and preserving agent since prehistoric times. So according to that article in the encyclopedia, salt is very valuable. It's a very valuable substance. So it's very important to society. And here Jesus shows the great value of the Christian by comparing us to salt and saying that we as believers are the salt of the earth, he's he's telling us, revealing to us the great value that the Christian is to the world and to society. Even though by those in the world, we are not considered to be very valuable at all. Amen? The world doesn't think that we're valuable. Um, But those who do reflect the conduct of these Beatitudes do have an influence. And I want you to understand that tonight. That as a born-again believer, as a child of God, you you have an influence in this world. And if we're the salt of the earth, it is a positive influence see listen the this godless world hates christians we dealt with that a little bit last week we talked about persecution Just because you're a a Christian, there's going to be some people that will not like you. They just won't. They don't want anything to do with you. There's a hatred there because of light and darkness, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But the godless world hates the church. They hate Christians, and you know what? They wish. They really do. They they may they wouldn't come out and say this, but but they wish they could get rid of us they They would love to get rid of us. They would love to get rid of the church and get rid of Christians. They were so happy a couple of years ago when they had all the churches shut down that excited a lot of people. They were glad about that didn 't excite me too much i wasn 't happy with it at all, but um, they would love to get rid of the church you know and uh Gavin nuisance out there you know in California, you know governor nuisance he uh uh, he had a lot of, he had a lot, got a lot of flack back. He tried to keep the churches in California shut down even after the ban and everything, you know, ever the lockdowns were lifted. And there were some churches out there, thank God, that that refused, some big churches that refused to uh, stay closed. They faced a lot of fines and a lot of things. Uh, but that nevertheless they stayed open. That's not what I want to talk about. but my point is that the world hates us. And they would like to get rid of us. But can I tell you something that the United States of America, this nation that we live in, owes, it owes its preservation to the presence of the saints. Of the believers, of the blood wash, born again, children of God that are in this nation tonight, this nation owes its 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 protection to the church of the Lord Jesus that is here. And the reason the reason God has blessed this nation so much is is because we have been allowed to worship the Lord, to freely preach the gospel. They're you know one of our greatest exports here in America. America is missionaries that we send to other nations and other lands to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's no group of people that have benefited this country, this land as much as Bible believing born again Christians benefit this land and that we are the salt that is in this earth that is that, that is the reason of God blessing America today. I believe that you know back when um back when Obama was president he had made that statement he got up and made that statement that and he said America is not no longer a Christian nation only and he brought in the fact that there were you know how many Muslims and everything else but I can tell you what it's not the Islamic people in this nation that are preserving this nation it is those who know the Lord Jesus Christ that are preserving this nation and who are are children of God. We are the salt of the earth. The Christians are a preserving force in the earth, in the world today. Now, you know the work of salt. Salt has a lot of different functions and there's a lot of different uses for salt, but there are three main works or characteristics or things that salt does and the first one is that it has a sanctifying effect there is a sanctifying work to salt in other words salt is pure and salt purifies salt purifies you know the scientists tell us that the salt content that we better be glad that that the oceans are salt water because the salt content without without the the saltiness in the oceans those masses of water would just be masses of corruption that would plague the earth with diseases it's because of the salt content in that water that keeps that water from becoming putrid and and uh, breeding all kinds of diseases and things like that so there's a purifying effect to salt and christians believers in christ are to have a purifying effect in our lives i mean there's to be should be and must be a moral and a spiritual influence in us in the church in the believers that prevents the spread of corruptive forces that is what. One of the things that Jesus was referring to here when he said that we are the salt of the earth. We have a purifying influence, or we should have a purifying influence in the world today. Now, as a believer, as a Christian, you know, when you, you know, maybe in the workplace, and I've had this happen before, um, but when a Christian walks into a room where there's other people there, and there may be some off-color jokes going on or some bad language being used. But how many times when a Christian that is known, you know, they know you're a Christian or or a minister of the gospel will walk in there and they'll start cleaning up their language or stop talking about what they were talking about. Now, some won't. Some, you know, they don't care. They, but but for the most part, I've had that happen a lot of times. You know, walk into, well, here, the preacher's coming in. Let's, let's hush. Let's don't talk about what we was talking about, you know. No, but there's a purifying effect in the life of the believer. Amen. See, holy conduct and holy living, living for the Lord, does have an influence on society. And that's the thing about the church. We need to check ourselves and check our lives and see if we're having the influence that we need to have. Come on. Amen. Amen. And so that's one of the things about salt. It has a purifying effect. It has a sanctifying effect. Amen. And so a lot of times people will, will honor that. If they know you're a Christian, your life affects them in that way. But there's also a saving work of salt. And here's one of the things that salt does is that salt preserves, not only is it purified, but it preserves and it heals. See, salt is a great preservative. We all know that, don't we? Wasn't that what they did before time before refrigerators and, oh, aren't you glad we got deep freezes and all that? We can just put all of our meat in. But before they had refrigeration and um, and all of that, salt was used to preserve the meat to prevent meat from decaying and from becoming rotten. And uh, that's one of the effects that the church should be having on the world is we should be a preserving force to be to hold back to hold back corruption amen That should be one of the things about the church. The holy conduct, the holy lives of believers having that, that preserving effect can save a nation and a society from the judgment of God. Now somebody said, I don't know about that, Brother Rick. Well, I do. Because the Bible does bear that out. Amen? I mean, if you go back to the time of Sodom and Gomorrah, there wasn't any more wicked place on earth than Sodom and Gomorrah, right? It was very wicked. It was very vile. And the sin uh, of that that city had gotten God's attention, and he sent some angels down there to uh, destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. But there was Lot in Sodom and, and, and that story illustrates the preserving effect of godly people because you know Abraham was what? He was interceding for the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. He knew God. God had let him know you know I'm they're going to be destroyed and Abraham begins to intercede for those cities because his, his nephew's down there. He doesn't want him to die. So he begins to intercede you know uh, Lord if there's 50 righteous will you spare the city for 50 god said yeah and he got him down you know to 40 to 30 and all the way down to 10 got him down to ten and he said will you spare the city if there's just ten righteous people there and God told Abraham if he could find ten righteous people there in Sodom that he wouldn't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah as wicked as they were he wouldn't destroy them for ten righteous you know what that tells us that righteousness has a preserving effect amen righteousness will hold back the judgment of the Lord. Amen. So I believe, and I said this earlier at the beginning of this lesson, that the preservation of America, the preservation of America depends on the presence of the church. The preservation of this earth, other nations, depends upon the presence of believers, of Christians, of the church in those nations. Amen. The church universal. Hallelujah. God's got got believers in every country and every nation. How many knows that? Amen. So the church provides a preservative. A preservative and a healing that no government program can equal. Listen, this nation needs believers. Amen. We need Holy Ghost-filled people. The church is important to the world today. I mean, the, the, the Bible says, you know, that verse that we're all so familiar with and aware of, 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. What did God say? If my people, he's talking to his people, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will forgive their sin. I will heal their land. So healing of a land, healing of a nation comes through salty saints, praise God, when God's people will pray. Proverbs 14, 34 says that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. But what did he say exalts a nation? Righteousness. Amen. So, you know, we're, we're, we're looking to the wrong source for healing in America. It's not going to come from the White House. Definitely not right now. But not at any time. It's not gonna come from the White House. It's not gonna come from Capitol Hill. It's not gonna come from the courthouse. It's not gonna come through the Supreme Court. Amen. Help from from America for America is gonna come from the church house. It's gonna come from the people of God. It's gonna come when God's people are the salt that they need to be. Can I get an Amen tonight? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now see, when the church is raptured, and and this, this thought bears this out as well, because what's going to happen to the earth when the church is gone? What's going to happen when the salt is removed? See, and we, when we studied Revelation, we, we, you know, we saw that. We saw the effects and, 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 you know, the drastic change. And this is why, this is another reason why I believe in a pre-trib rapture. Because you can see a change in God's attitude. You can see a change taking place in Revelation after Revelation 4 and 1, from Revelation, um, Revelation 6 through 19, there's just an absolute change. There's judgment. There's destruction there's you know um, catastrophic events that come on the earth and more people you know a third of the population of the world is going to die so when the rapture of the church takes place and the salt is removed that preserving influence is removed society is going to become more putrid it's going to become more vile and more uh, more rotten than ever because the preservant has been removed and Judgment is going to fall when the church is removed. We're not here. God's not called us to wrath. He's not called us to be judged. He's not going to, you know, leave his church here during that tribulation and beat up on his bride. Is anybody here? Amen. You know what I'm talking about? Amen. But we are the preserving force that is going to leave this world. And then things are going to get terribly, terribly worse. But uh, the third thing that salt does is it has a seasoning work. There's a seasoning work in salt. I I said it earlier. I, I love salt because salt adds flavor. Salt makes food taste better. My wife's laughing, but it's a fact. Amen. I don't know about anybody else. I'm standing on the Word. Jesus said in one place, He said, Have salt in yourselves. So I'm claiming that. Praise God. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep salting my food. Amen. <laughs> and uh, Because I like it. It, it. Salt adds flavor. It brings out the best in food. And I just could not imagine... I I can't make myself, I've often said, man, if if they they ever put me on a, salt restricted diet or you know because I've tried one time that uh, Morton light salt and I tried that no salt and uh, I can't go with that stuff amen but um, and, if, and if you have to be on it I'm, I'm, that's fine but I'm I can't imagine eating I can't imagine eating a, a, a bowl of popcorn without some salt on it come on somebody I cannot imagine cutting into a nice red juicy ice cold watermelon in the summertime without putting some salt on that watermelon amen now i put salt on my cantaloupe too some people put sugar on there but i like salt on that but I could you imagine getting a great big red ripe tomato out of the garden and and slicing that thing i'm talking i'm not talking about one of these hothouse things i'm talking about one vine ripened in the summertime and slice that thing open you, you know can, can can you eat that i can't eat it i got to have some salt it just adds some flavor to it. Come on. Amen? Hallelujah. It's got to have some salt. It just brings out the flavor. And that's the way Christians are supposed to be. Jesus said, we are like salt. We bring flavor to life. Can you imagine what a terrible place this would be without Christians that are full of the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Holy Ghost? Amen. The presence of godly, salty saints that are in this world to encourage people, to lift people up, to inspire people, to be a blessing. Listen, God has put us here to be encouragers and to bless one another and to be a blessing. He told Abraham, I'm going to bless you, but I'm going to bless you so you can be a blessing. And God wants you to be a blessing to others. That's why he's made you a salty saint. Amen? You add flavor to life. You add flavor to this world. We encourage one another. They, you know, salt, there's something about salt. It always, always makes its presence known. You can tell when there's salt in food. And you can tell when there's too much salt in food. Huh? you ever over-salted anything? You know, Vicky and I were, one, one time I remember we were, we, she was fixing some fresh green beans and new potatoes, you know, and she'd put some salt I didn't know she'd salt them, so I salted them too. And I remember, you know, the first bite, they really looked good. But the very first bite we took, salt made its presence known. You could tell it was there. You knew salt was in that food. So you can't hide it. Come on, amen. So a salty sink cannot be hidden. You can't hide it. Just like the light Jesus is going to talk about, putting it under a bushel. You can't hide it. So it always makes its presence known. But the thing about salt, giving it gives flavor, but it also... Promotes thirst. Does it? Does salt make people thirsty? If you eat to get something too salty? Huh? It makes you thirsty. You heard the old saying, well, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Well, fill his mouth full of salt. Give him a bunch of salt. <laughs> Give him a bunch of salt to eat. Amen? He'll drink a tub full. You make him thirsty enough. Well, that's the way it is. That's the way we should be as Christians. We should promote a thirst in those who are not saved to want what we have. Oh, help us, Jesus. Huh? It promotes thirst. See, Jesus said we're the salt of the earth, not the vinegar of the earth. I do like salt and vinegar potato chips, though, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but we're to we're we're to make people thirsty for what we have we're to exhibit that joy of the lord and, and and our lives you know to be full of of the joy of the Lord so that we can make others thirsty for what we have i remember it wasn't long after I got saved, maybe a couple of years after I, we had gotten saved. But one of the guys, we were, we were in a wedding. Some friends of ours were getting married, and I was in the wedding, and, and we were at the wedding rehearsal. And there was another guy there that was friends of mine that we used to party together and everything before I got saved. And he was in the wedding also, and we were there eating at the rehearsal dinner. And he just kept questioning me. Now, I didn't go in there preaching or anything, but he kept questioning me. I mean, we had we had partyed together, we had drank together, we and you know we'd just done all kinds of things together. But now my life is different, and he knows that I'm that I've gotten saved and that I'd started preaching and been preaching, like I said, a couple of years. and And uh, he just began to question me. How did you quit drinking? I said, Well, I. I didn't quit I said I got saved and I said when I got saved Jesus took it away from me and 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 he began to ask me all about it. he wasn't raised in, in any kind of, uh, of church that taught anything about the new birth or salvation so I just shared with him what Jesus did for me he was thirsty to know what the Lord he saw what God had done in my life and he was thirsty to know about it and you know what uh, it was a, you know a year or two later but anyway this 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 dude Got saved. This guy got saved. This friend of mine, he's he's pastor. Been a pastor now for a number of years, and uh, praise God. But 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 you know, I didn't do anything other than make him thirsty for what God could do for him. Shouldn't we all be that way? a Desire to make others thirsty. I mean, if we walk around, you know, just just it's oh, it's such a hard way. Oh poor old oh, me. Everything's going wrong with me, and I just, nothing ever goes right, and we're complaining, and we're miserable all the time, they ain't nobody going to want a Christianity like that, but if we have the joy, and the peace, and the blessing of the Lord, and the goodness of God going forth out of our life, it'll make people thirsty for what we have, come on, amen, you believe that? And that's the way we should be. But then Jesus, uh, you know, gives us a warning about the salt. And he gives us a warning there. And he said, but here's the problem with salt. If salt loses its flavor, if it loses its saltiness, then how will it be seasoned? And he said something, man, that really gets you. He said, if it loses its, its flavor, it's good for nothing. That's a pretty strong statement. And that's why I said when I read that, I said, I don't want to be, I don't want to be good for nothing. I've had people tell me that, well, that good for nothing preacher. Oh, that good for nothing outfit. Well, I don't want to be good for nothing. I'm to be good, I want to be good for something. Well, praise the Lord. I didn't get too many amens there. <laughs> But Jesus here warns us not to lose our saltiness. Not to lose our flavor. Not to become flat and tasteless. You ever you ever had some salt that was like that? That was just flavorless and didn't do anything. It didn't do its didn't do its job. So our flavor and our saltiness as Christians is our influence. And if we lose that influence, that positive influence, then we become useless and of no effect and of no value to society or to the world. We're just taking up space. We're not doing anybody any good. And I, I think about that. A, a Christian or a church that's useless or of no effect or of no value. Kind of like the churches that Jesus talked about in Revelation. You know, he said, if you don't repent. And he told them what He what they had wrong with them. And he said, if you don't repent, I'm going to take the candlestick out of its pocket. It would be removed. And I thought about, you know, has the church now think about this with me? Because when you think about the day that we're living, there are more mega churches today, probably, than there ever has been. But society is yet more corrupt and more sinful than it ever has been. Something isn't adding up somewhere. Because you know, you know, you hear people say, "Well, we had a hundred people saved Sunday. We had a hundred people saved, or a thousand people saved, and our churches increased five hundred, a thousand. We're running 30,000. And if all of those people—and I'm not the judge because I don't know—only God knows who saved, and who didn't. But if all of those people are truly saved and are the salt of the earth, where is the influence that we're having to hold back the? and the uncleanness and the ungodliness that's in the world today. But it seems like the church is getting bigger, but the world is getting darker. The world is getting more corrupt. You know, you can be, the church can be big and be unhealthy. Right? I know, I'm... I'm you can be you can be big, but that doesn't mean you're healthy. Praise God. Well, God needs a healthy church, and so you know it just makes me wonder. And I, and I and I'm thinking, Lord, what's wrong today? with your church. Have we come to that place? Are we losing that saltiness in our life, that savor, that influence? Have we come to that place? You know, Jesus dealt with that church at Ephesus and he said, you know, man, you guys, you you can't stand them that are evil. You have tried false prophets and found them liars. You hate the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. you got all these good things, but he said, I've got something against you because you've lost or left your first love. They had been, you know what that meant they had lost and, and walked away and, and not, they weren't the salty saints that they were. They didn't love the Lord like they one time did. They had become apathetic in their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. God help us. Are you hearing me tonight? Help us, Lord, to be salty. Have salt in yourselves. Amen. Paul said, let your speech, your words be with grace and be seasoned with salt, that salt of the word of God. Let your speech be seasoned with that salt. So if we lose that, see, if we lose that saltiness, we're good for nothing and we're uh, we're going to gonna be cast out. He said, just trodden underfoot them in they take that salt that is of no value and they throw it out in the in the road and they walk on it they use it to cover the roads with it's not of any benefit god don't let your church be like that that's why i'm preaching revival all the time we need a revival we need a move of god we need a stirring amen y'all still here okay but then he gives the other metaphor, and he says, you, not only are you the salt of the earth, but you're the light of the world. You're the light of the world. You know, the, the, the world today is boasting that we're the most enlightened generation that has ever been. Oh, man. But in reality, this world's more and more. It's just getting darker and darker and darker. And it's in desperate, desperate need of light. And the Bible teaches us, and the Bible tells us that sinners, those who don't know the Lord, are darkness and are in darkness. And those who are saved are, uh, are the light. Amen? Right? We're, the fact is, the, the very fact that Jesus said that we're the light of the world, that there needed to be light... That proves that there is darkness. That proves that there is spiritually, spiritual and moral darkness in the world. And Jesus is telling us as believers in the church that we are to be the light in a dark world. And when you and I get saved, we go from darkness into light. We're translated, amen, out of the kingdom of darkness and placed into the kingdom of God's dear Son. We know that we've passed from death to life. We know that we've been turned from darkness to light. Amen. When we've been saved. I once was blind but thank God tonight I'm glad I can see and I'm in the light tonight. I'm no longer in that morass of darkness in this world. Amen. But that's just, that goes to show you, it proves that this world is in darkness. And Christians, believers, the church is to be a light. He said that, 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 that we are to be a city that is set upon a hill that cannot be hid. A city on a hill is conspicuous. I mean at night you can be traveling and from a great distance if that city is on that hill and it's lit up you can see the lights of that city from a long way off. And ladies and gentlemen, we should live our Christian life in that way. That there there is no doubt. Are you hearing me? That there is no doubt in anybody's mind that we are a child of God. They wouldn't even have to ask, are you a Christian? They'll know. They'll know by the light that we're shining because Jesus is living on the inside of us. Hallelujah. This little light of mine, did you remember that old song from Sunday school? I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes i'm going to let it shine let it shine let it shine let it shine how many's going to let your light shine in a dark world woo hallelujah Amen. Isaiah sixty, you know, talks about the gross darkness that will be in the last days. But it's in that time of gross darkness that he said that then the the glory of the Lord will arise upon you, upon the people of God. And if that's what we need, that is what we need today in the midst of a darkened world when it gets darker and darker and darker and nobody's got a light, nobody's got a light. The only light in the world is coming from the church the true church of the Lord you are the light of the world we got to let that light shine it should be obvious our faith our convictions should be like that city on a hill it's obvious to everybody that we are saved Jesus said, you don't take a, a, a lamp and you light it. And you don't stick it under a basket. Amen. Wouldn't that be dumb? Got a power outage. Turn this flashlight on so I can see. But I'm going to stick it under the bed. Glory to God. I'm going to cover it up with a, with a basket or with a, you know, with a box. Well, that's, you know, that would be ridiculous, He said, don't put it under a basket. You put it on a lampstand. Put it up high where everybody can see it and it can give light to everybody that's in the house. See, that's that's the purpose of that light is to give light not to me. The purpose of lighting a light is not so it can be hidden and concealed. That's what Jesus is saying. So Jesus is saying here, don't try to hide or conceal the fact that you are a Christian. Everybody ought to know. There's another little old song come to my mind, but we'll we'll move on. Why, Why would why would anybody want to hide their light? Why would anybody want to conceal the fact that they're Christian? Well, you know, some people just want to be popular. They want to be accepted in the society. They want to be accepted among their peers. They may be a little embarrassed. Well, I don't want them to know that I'm a Christian. You know, I told you that story a couple weeks ago about the lumberjack, you know, that got saved. He went back to the lumberjack camp, and they were all praying for him all week at the church because they thought, man, he's got to go back up there with all them roughnecks, and he's going to have a hard time. He comes back the next Sunday. They said, how'd you make it? He said, I didn't have any problems at all. They said, you didn't have any problems? He said, no, nobody knew I was a Christian. He'd stuck his lamp under the bushel, well, they didn't know because he wasn't He was hiding his light. Everybody' will know that we 're saved. Some people want to be popular, others are afraid of ridicule or persecution. We talked about persecution last week, but here's the thing: Jesus is denouncing. He is denouncing secret discipleship. There is no such thing as a secret being a secret Christian or disciple. Well, I'm gonna go to church and get saved, but I don't want nobody at work to know it. I don't want anybody to know that I'm a Christian. Well, glory! You can't hide it. You can't hide it if you're true. Born again, your life changes, right? Praise God. I told you that story about the old boy, old guy I worked with, you know, the morning, the Monday morning after I got saved. I went to went to work and we loaded the truck and we got in the truck and every Monday morning. Every morning, period. He went first stop. His breakfast was a pint of Barton Hi-Ruby port wine. And he made that stop and got that pint of wine, and he would take a big chug of it, pass it over to me. I'd take a big chug of it, give it back to him. That Monday morning, I didn't have to say a word. He, grabbed, he, he stopped, drove, went through the drive, got that pint of wine. He made a big chug of it, handed it over to me. I said, I ain't having none of that. He looked at me, and he said, well, what has happened to you? It was conspicuous. It was obvious. It was like a city on a hill. There's something different about this guy than there was Friday. He ain't the same today as he was Friday. Hey, man, it's not secret discipleship. What if I would have said, well, now, Lord, forgive me, but I'm going to take a little. I won't take a big slug. I'll just take a sip so he won't know that I'm a Christian. That's what Jesus is condemning. No secret Christians. Praise God. This this is pretty good teaching, whether, you know, it'll do us some good is what I mean. Amen. He said, no. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. But if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father. So secret discipleship doesn't have a good outcome. But he said, let your light shine where? Before men. Not just, on, not, not just on Sunday on, in the sanctuary or on Wednesday night. Don't just shine, you know, when you're around other Christians. Don't just, when you're in Rome, do as the Romans. But before a dark world, before men, everywhere you go, let your light shine to a lost and dying world. Because listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, the world needs examples of what it is to live right. And, and the, here's the thing. They'll say, oh, you're sanctimonious. Oh, you're holier than thou. And, and that's not true. A true Christian is not going around like a Pharisee. But the light and the dark clash. But you still are being an example. And the world needs an example of what true Christianity is. And it's not getting it in a lot of churches today because it's just in and out in an hour and it's like you know nobody ever tells anybody you know you you need to you need to lay these sins down you need to live a different life it's just not being taught a lot today it's not popular John 3:20 says that everyone practicing evil, everyone, here's the problem, here's where the rub comes in, that everyone practicing evil hates the light. It's what, that's what the word says and, and does not come to the lights to the light. Why? Lest his deeds should be exposed. And that's the reason they hate the light because light exposes their evil deeds, their evil lifestyle, right? Have no fellowship. Isn't this what Paul said in Ephesians? Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. The light exposes them. You go into, you know, flip on the light in a house that is uh, roach infested and it's dark. Amen. And you, yeah, and then just they go to scatter. They're hiding, they're running from that light to get away from that light. And that's the way, ooh, hallelujah. Let me tell you, let me just throw this in. Let me just throw this in. That's the way demons do. Demons, oh, hallelujah, I felt that. Demon spirits can't stand the light. You walk in the light as he is in the light. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses you from all sin. And I'm going to tell you, demons got to flee from that light. They love the darkness that can't hang around the light. And that's another thing. Let me just jump back to salt for a minute because they hate the light. But you know what salt does too? These go together. Salt will also... Irritate. You ever get salt in a cut? It's irritating. It hurts. Amen. And so salt and light, you know, it 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 exposes people's lives that are not. You don't have to you don't have to go up and preach to them. You don't have to shake them and say, well, you're an old dirty, rotten sinner. You need to get saved. Just be light to them. Praise God. God, and it will expose their sinfulness. Amen. But when your light shines for Jesus, you're going to upset some folks. But guess what? Shine on! Come on, amen. Just keep on shining. Just keep on shining. Let that light shine anyway. He said that ye, that men may see your good works. Now, I'm not talking about religious works. The good works that come from Christ living in you. The good works that are produced by a right faith. A proper faith. Faith without works is dead. But if you have the right faith in the right object, you'll have the right works. They'll come automatically. But that they may see your good works and glorify the Father. See? See? This is the primary purpose for shining as a light. Is so that that they may glorify God. That others would glorify. Not you. Not talk about how great you are. But that they will glorify God that is on the inside of you. To see Jesus in you. And that's what we must do. And this is what Jesus is telling us here. Let your life exalt God And honor God because holy conduct, holy living always puts the spotlight on God and glorifies God and never draws attention to ourselves. It always honors the Lord. And Paul said, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Amen. That men may see, I'm I'm quitting. I was wanting to get through verse twenty, but we ain't going to. That men may see your good works, Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life when I got saved. And um, we we would work we would leave we would go out of town for uh, on our job two weeks out of the month for three days each week over into Kentucky and work and one of the guys that I worked with of course after I got saved there again I didn't I didn't I hadn't worked with this guy but here we are in the motel together now in Kentucky and and uh, I didn't go up and say hey. Saved last Sunday. I'm gonna tell you about Jesus. Maybe I should have, but I didn't. But when all when they when they when they start bringing the booze out, and they couldn't go, they you know had to drink every night. They had to drink every night. And again, there I was, light shining in a dark place. How come you ain't drinking? And I said, Well, I give my heart to the Lord. Got saved, and he began to rail on me. Why you? He said, there isn't any place in the Bible anywhere. Now this dude was raised a Baptist, switched to the Lutherans so he could drink. Glory to God. And there ain't nowhere in the Bible that says that it's wrong to drink I was a young Christian about two weeks old I didn't know where anything at that point in time was in the Bible but I did know one thing I knew that when I got up from that altar that Sunday morning, that something changed in me, and I didn't want that slop anymore. Is anybody hearing me? I didn't want that mess anymore. And I just sat there and took it, and he railed on me for about 20 minutes, you know, and just, you know what What caused him to do that? You know what it was? It wasn't, it wasn't that I said anything or gave him any scripture or preached to him, but the light in me was exposing that sin and that darkness in his life and he hated that he couldn't stand that so just let your light shine and just irritate the fire out of the devil <laughs> glory to God Woo! that's what we got to do and that's what Jesus is saying be salt be light be salty and be shiny Praise God and be the kind of Christian that, we, that God wants you to be. Let Jesus live in you. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you tonight for your word. Oh, for your blessings and Lord, help us tonight to apply this word to our lives. Make us these this type of believer tonight, Lord, salt. And light in our lives. That we'll be a witness to this community. My prayer Lord is. That Abundant Life Family Church. Will be a light. Will be a city on the hill. Shining throughout the community of Farmington. And all the mineral area. And we thank you for that in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. God bless you. Shake hands tonight. Be friendly. We will see you all on Sunday, okay? Have a great rest of the week in the Lord.